Hey, uh, my name's Stan. If you didn't pick that up already through the baptisms and all, and I have the privilege today to just dive into uh, the next chapter of this series with you. But when I was in Bible college, I learned a lot of things. And I went to seminary, and one of the standout things that I learned, I want to share with you now, is when the president of the Bible college stood before us, and he was talking about one of these rules to live by called the commandments, you know, and, and he passionately engaged us in a discussion. Actually, it wasn't a discussion. It was a monologue, him telling us that if we get up and leave the room in the middle of a TV show when a commercial is on, we are stealing. Now, I just lost half of you. Anybody younger than me says, what the heck is a commercial, right? Because <laughs> you're used to live streaming. Well, advertisers would actually buy time during a show, and they would stop the show, play the ad, and then come back to the show. And when you play the ad, that's when you run, go to the toilet, you run, get a snack and all those things. Well, he was confident and passionate that when we got up to do those things, we were stealing because that advertiser had paid for that time. So we're ripping them off. Wow, the things you learn in Bible college, eh? <laughs> that was a rule that he lived by. We all have rules that we live by and we get those rules from all sorts of places. Uh, from our family heritage, from society, from the culture that we're in. Well, over the last several weeks and for the next couple of weeks, we've been investigating some rules to live by out of an ancient text called the book of Exodus, which was part of the original Jewish scriptures. And it told the story of Israel's exodus from Egypt and the rules that God set up for them. In chapter 20, we have a list of some rules, commandments that he gave them. We've also learned that those commandments... Many of them are still extremely relevant for us today. And many societies, uh, in fact, all societies, really hinge on a lot of the rules. Some of the ones we're going to talk about today are, are key to every single society. Now, we uh, have discovered that they, there are heaps of people like Lee who want to influence us. But the only people that can influence you are those that you allow to influence you. So as we unpack that, we discovered that God is the one who actually gets to make the rules and he should be the one influencing us because God gets to make the rules because he created us, because he cares for us, and because he has a much better plan for us than we do, okay? So that means God gets to make the rules. So we ended that, that first unpacking with the, the statement that we need to be a God follower, not a rule follower. Don't be a rule follower, be a God follower. Then over the next few weeks, we've unpacked the commandments. And the first four, we looked at have no idols before me and no other gods and don't misuse God's name. And then uh, remember the Sabbath day. Those are all related to our relationship with God. Then last week, if you weren't here, Pastor Enneke started unpacking the, the next six with commandments or rules that deal with our relationships with each other. And he, he just jumps straight in to the most difficult one probably is don't commit adultery. Now, if you missed any of those weeks, go back to our, our YouTube channel, our website, the app. You can catch up on all that, and you definitely want to catch up because this is good stuff, good value, will help you in your life learning the rules to live by. You have a choice. You can go by Lee's rules at Love Lee, or you can go by God's rules, and uh, that's where you can pick those up. So today, we're going to cover two rules that are closely related. Again, pulling from the commandments in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, it says, you, 
must not steal. Okay, that one's complicated, right? We think we understand that one pretty well? Well, first thing you need to know is not all of the commandments were repeated in the New Testament. Nine of them were. This one was. In fact, Jesus, when he was talking to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him a list of things he needed to do, and that was on the list. Don't steal. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Romans, telling them how they should behave if they're actually going to show love to one another, he included not stealing. If you're going to love people, you don't want to steal. So we know the New Testament speaks into this as well. Same commandment, don't steal. So we need to start with understanding exactly what stealing is. What is stealing? Well, it comes from a Hebrew word. You can pronounce that if you'd like to. Ganab, we'll say. It means, it's a verb that means to steal, to rob, to sweep away, to take without the owner's consent. Now, this certainly can be referring to physical things, objects, stuff. Traditionally, we think of stealing and we think of somebody taking stuff from the store or a robbery or or things like that, right? But it's broader than that. And it can include things like even kidnapping, stealing people. It can include things such as taking people's dignity, their self-respect, their freedoms, their rights. All of those things can be stolen and we can be guilty of stealing. What does that look like in our world today? Well, clearly, uh, it's easy to think about stuff getting stolen. Anybody ever have your car broken into? I have several times, several times. And you just feel violated when that happens, don't you? Yeah? When I was younger, uh, bicycles would get stolen. I had three and a half bicycles stolen, right? The half came because I finally figured out we need to be chaining it up. And they stripped it for parts, right? So, but when, when, some, when somebody steals something of your stuff, it, it really, I, I don't know about you, but it, it makes you feel like, wow, that, that just invaded me. And, you know, if they asked me, I'd probably give them the stuff because it's not that important. But the fact that you took it is, is weird. But then also I mentioned people kidnapping. We actually do a fair bit of focus and energy around here during a part of the year. We talk about ping pong-a-thon, where we talk about human trafficking. That's stealing people and putting them into the sex trade and things like that for our benefit. Stealing today could also include cheating, like cheating on tests if you're in school or cheating at work and and things like that. Uh, But also cheating could be if you sell something on Facebook Marketplace and you know it's a pile of rubbish, and you're not telling people it's a pile of rubbish, guess what? That word steal, that actually fits that kind of category. Here's another one, guys. Intellectual property. All the musicians said, (laughs) I'm starving because of you, right? When we take someone else's thoughts or ideas and we promote those as our own without giving credit, that is a form of stealing. Here's another one. Oh, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I want to move on. How many of you work from home? Don't raise your hands. And if you work from home, how many of you give the boss the hours that the boss is paying for when you're working from home? Yeah, you know why you're laughing? Not because that was funny, but because it's true. Sometimes we might steal time. We don't need to worry about Centerlink or the ATO, do we? When we talk ATO, for those watching online, that's the Australian tax office. So if you're in another country, whatever your tax office is, we don't need to worry about cheating those people, stealing from them, right? 
because they deserve it. Well, I'll stop meddling. I'll let the Holy Spirit help you decide what stealing is for you and your life. Because it's a, it's a complex thing. So, but all forms of stealing are against the rules, and it hurts people, and it hurts society. So the question comes, why do we steal? Why do people steal? Now, some would say, maybe it's out of ignorance. Maybe some of the things I even mentioned today, you think, wow, I never even thought about that being stealing. It's small things, it doesn't really matter. For some, maybe it's like sport. It's like a challenge. Let me see if I can get away with it. You don't really need the stuff, but maybe you want to see if you can get away with it. It could be that you steal because you're not trusting God's provision. Now, by the way, for those of you online, those of you in the room, I know we're talking about other people, right? Because I keep saying if you, when we steal, right? It's not you. It's not me. We don't steal, right? But just in case. Not trusting God's provision to provide what you need could be a motive for stealing. Now, this can be a very complex issue, and I could actually describe situations. I believe I could paint pictures that would cause any and each of us to steal in the right situation. But that's not where we're going to go today. I want to focus in on the other commandment, do not steal. But the other commandment says this in verse 17. You must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, there's one of our favorite words in society today, covet, right? We we all use that word all the time, right? What does that word even mean? And and look at the list there. You, You can't covet your neighbor's house, you can't covet your neighbor's wife, and I would say spouse, uh, you can't covet their servants or their donkeys or, any, or in case you missed it, anything else. In case that anything doesn't fit on that list, don't take anything that is your neighbor. So the word covet literally means to take pleasure in, to desire, or to lust. Desire. Is desire a bad thing? Not necessarily. This word is not necessarily a bad thing. This, this word is only becomes a bad thing, that a desire becomes a bad thing when it is appropriated to something that is someone else's, when you try to take something that is someone else's for your own. Now, this commandment, this uh, is the 10th commandment, and we're skipping around a little bit. We'll get some of the others next week and the following week. But this commandment is different from all the others because this is the only one that it's not about our actions, but about our attitude. It's not about our deeds, but it's about our desires, the things that go on inside of us. So that makes this commandment, coveting, that makes it kind of invisible until we act on it. You could be committing this sin, you could be going against this commandment, violating this rule, and nobody else even know about it until you act on it. So I I look at coveting as kind of a, a gateway sin. You know, you can covet and covet and covet all all you want and the desire, desire, but but then that's going to lead you to breaking all the other commandments because desire is what does that. So the scope of this command, again, includes everything that is your neighbors, their house, their spouse, servants, livestock, anything else. And when you think about this, it's not just acknowledging someone that has a nice home. You say, say, oh, they have a nice house. That's great. It's when you want their house for yourself. Or you want their spouse for yourself. We say, wow, the husband she got, she hit the lottery. I wish I could trade mine in, right? 
He cooks, he cleans, he does all this other stuff. He's great with the kids. And, and that guy I got's not. Or how about your kids? You look at somebody else's kids. Oh, why can't my kids be like a thingy? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or Haley, right? You know, when we look at that and we start desiring those things, that's when it becomes sin. The first example we have this is in the Garden of Eden. When Eve saw the fruit that was forbidden. God had told them, you can't eat of this one tree. Then Satan comes along in the form of a serpent and he tempts her. And he says, hey, you're gonna eat it and God knows it's gonna make you wise. It's gonna make you like him. And Eve thought, yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. I desire that. That's when it happened, when she desired. Then she acted after that. It's a pattern that follows us Today, James chapter 1 says this, temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it, breathes, it gives birth to death. You see, it's a gateway sin, the desire. When we keep looking, we keep thinking, we keep wanting what we don't have, eventually we act on it. And it brings destruction. For Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden, that desire led them to eat the fruit, which cursed all humans to, to be born ever after that, and the earth as well. It brought destruction. It says here, it bring, gives birth to death when it's allowed to grow. So to try to obtain things that are, are, are not ours shows that we're dissatisfied with what God has done in our lives, what he gives to us. This is a rule really against discontentment. This thou shalt not covet. So I got a really tough question for you this morning. Are you happy? Are you content? Process that for a moment. The word content means to be satisfied with one's situation, to be in a state of peaceful happiness. Would you say that describes you today? Are you content? Got a verse for you. You're going to love this. We all love this verse. Look at this verse. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Do you love that verse? I love that verse. How many of you have a coffee mug or plaque or something with that verse printed on it? In your house. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of us do. I've got one in my office. While I was preparing the sermon, I looked up and I was oh, there it is, right? You know, we like that verse and we want to claim that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sounds great, doesn't it? You know what Paul was talking about when he wrote that verse to the Philippians? Let's look back a couple verses. Verse 11. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Then he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul says, I've learned that in Christ's strength I can be content with little or much. You know where Paul was when he wrote this? 
He was in a prison cell. And not a posh prison cell. It's like a dungeon. Like a cave. And Paul said, I've learned whatever situation I'm in, whatever circumstances I'm in, to be content. Sometimes it's easier to be content with little than with much. Talk about that more in just a second. Because 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this. Paul's still writing to someone else now, to to, uh, young Timothy. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. You want wealth? Godliness with contentment is wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Paul says, you got food and you got clothes? Be content. It's all you need. Food. He doesn't even say shelter. I would have added shelter to the list, especially in Melbourne. It's cold. You ready for winter to be over? Sorry, this is a sidetrack. I don't have time for that. But then he says this. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. You see a pattern here this morning? Evil desires, desires that that well up within us, that that we just keep on fostering, lead to sin, and that sin then brings destruction. He says riches are a temptation and a trap that leads to destruction. Then James chapter 4, James was the brother of Jesus. He said this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You scheme and kill to get it. Think about the wars around us today in our world. What are they about? They're about people that don't have something that someone else does. I want what you have. I want the oil fields. I want this. I want that. And it drives people to have quarrels and wars among them. So why do we struggle so much with contentment. Why do we struggle so much with contentment? It's one word. One word for you today. Comparing. Comparing. Comparing is the enemy of contentment. See, generally speaking, we are pretty happy with our situation until we see someone's situation that we see is better than ours or we think is better than ours. Is that not true? Yes? Or is it, is it just me? I'm content until I see somebody else's situation that's better than mine. And then we start, we start comparing. We feel like less than because others seem to have more. You know what? It's okay to see others as better than ourselves. Paul tells us that in Philippians. He says, look at others as better than yourself. We should congratulate them when they're doing well, when we think that they're doing better than us. You know what the real danger with the comparison is, though? Usually what we're comparing these days, we're seeing it on social media. And we're seeing people's highlight reels of their life. That it took them 32 takes to get that picture up there to start with. Right? I've got a a picture, and I started to to, to use this. Uh, Last week, I went to the footy, my, my grandson Kelly's first footy game, and we lost by like 90 points or something anyway. And that will never not be his first footy game. I'm so angry about that. But anyway... But I got this photo of me and him at his first footy game, and he's smiling, and I'm smiling. 
That does not tell the whole story of last Sunday. It was not all smiles. It wasn't all smiles last night either. Anyway, thanks for listening. You're cheaper than a counselor. See, we see that highlight reel of other people's lives, and we think, wow, that's a good life. They're always happy. They're always got things going on well. Makes us discouraged. Comparison. Comparison crushes contentment. It crushes our contentment. We're happy till we compare. There's a, a man that I know uh, in my former, former life, we sent a, a, a missionary uh, worker to Niger. Niger is at the bottom of the human index, the, the profitability and the, the standard of living. They're at the very bottom. This man started dating her and they ended up married and things. But as they were getting to know each other, she brought up that there was a big difference. Stray is usually in the top one or two, and they's at the bottom. He did not realize he was poor. He didn't realize his nation was poor. That can crush our contentment. You know, our contentment with God, because we think God's not doing enough for me, crushes our contentment. Comparison also kills confidence. When we think that we will never be good enough because I can't be like Pastor Justin, or I can't be like that person or that person, and there's just no way I can work however I want or hard I want, and it's never going to happen, then we have no confidence. It kills our own confidence, and it kills our confidence, again, in God. And then comparison, finally, creates contempt. Contempt against those that have more. Contempt against government and others who limit us and we become victims because of them. And dare I say again, contempt against God because God didn't let my life play out the way he want, or that I wanted it to. Comparison, friends. Galatians chapter 6 says this. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourselves to anyone else. You want to be content? Stop comparing. That's what he's saying. Theodore Roosevelt says this, comparison is the thief of joy. Theodore Roosevelt wasn't a theologian, but he got that one right. He understood that. Luke chapter 3, Jesus tells a story uh, and about people. It's actually people were coming to Jesus. And a lot of people were coming uh, to, uh, to Jesus, and they were saying, what should I do? John the Baptist. They were coming to John the Baptist. And he said this. What should we do? It says even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Friends, I want us to ask that same question today. Clearly, what should we do? Philippians chapter 2 gives us the answer. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Very simply, friends, what should we do? We should 
be content with your situation. It may not be the greatest situation ever seen by everybody else in the world, but learn to be content. Paul wrote that from a prison cell. I can be content here. And then be humble. If you're going to be humble, don't compete with other people. There's nothing. You, there's always going to be somebody better than you, always going to be somebody worse than you when you're competing. There's always going to be winners and losers. Just be humble. And then be confident. Be confident. Trust God to provide what you need. If we want to not fall into the trap of breaking the rule of thou shalt not covet or thou shalt not steal, it starts with contentment. Are you happy? Are you content? Not when you get the next thing, but right now, whatever your situation, are you content today? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all those that were baptized today. Thank you for a wonderful time to celebrate. Lord, we've talked about uh, some heavy things today. And just asking the, the question today, are you happy? Are you content? Can be confronting. Lord, there are times that each of us look at something else and think that oh, my life would be better if I had that or if this situation was like this. Lord, help us to identify with Paul that whatever situation we find ourselves in, to just be content. We might not be turning cartwheels, but we can be content. We can be satisfied knowing you're looking after us and you want the best for us it might not look like what we want but Lord we can trust you because you are a good God and you shower us with your love and your grace and your mercy thank you so much for that now help us as we go out today as we go out this week as we think about that verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me every time we see that every time we think of it help us to remember that being content is at the core of that. Through Christ's strength, I will be content. In Jesus' name, amen.